and turn to idols. Well, they didn't. They didn't forget about God. They were still worshiping God. Listen, that's not God's with little g. That's Lord, capital letter. That's what happens when you seek God the wrong way. That's what happens when you're seeking the wrong thing with God. You're seeking an experience with God. You're seeking to get high from God. And so when you're seeking those moments that are special to you, that you get high with God, that you feel that you left this place, that you feel that your pain is gone, that you feel that your circumstances are no longer killing you, when that's the only thing you're seeking, you know what happens? You're in danger of getting into a place that you will form an idol that you will worship because the presence of God is not coming down to you. So you will seek it at whatever cost. God bless you. It is a pleasure to speak to your life. I want to tell you that God has great things planned for you and that these are revealed through his word. Therefore, I encourage you to prepare your heart and to prepare your mind to hear a powerful word spoken through Pastor Richard Torres. Let's listen. Do you have it? When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, this is John 6, 24. They also got into boats and came to, to Capernaum seeking Jesus. Seeking Jesus. We're continuing with our series, Seeking Jesus. There is something about God that causes people to seek Him. There's something about this living God that causes people to go after him, to try to find out about this God. You see, maybe people want to explain how it all started. Maybe that's, that's one of the things that, that causes people to seek God. Maybe people have questions they need answers to. Who in here has questions that they need answers to? Why, Lord? Why was I born this way? Why am I this way? Why is it that she left? Why is it that he left? Why, Lord, did I have to lose my dad, my mom? Why, Lord, all these questions. Why my baby? Why, Lord? You see, all these questions that, that we hope to one day get answers to. Maybe people just want to access all that divinity has to offer. We know there is something more than just what we see. So seeking Jesus, there's something about God that causes people to seek him. Whatever the reason may be, seeking Jesus, seeking God is the most traveled path in history. Are you with me? Seeking Jesus, seeking God, it's the most traveled path in history. Seeking God, seeking the Holy Spirit. Such a famous phrase for Christians especially. I'm seeking God. I'm seeking Jesus. If you've been a Christian for a little while, you know what I'm talking about. It's a common phrase in church. We're seeking the Lord. I'm going to enter into a season seeking God. Are you with me? You probably have said it. You probably have done it, have experienced it. You might be doing it right now. You see, Sundays in America are a special day. 
many, many, many churches, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people get together seeking Jesus, seeking the Lord, seeking God. So I thought it would be appropriate for me to mention a couple of things about seeking God. Number one, this phrase, seeking God, seeking Jesus, it's a very vague phrase in how it unfolds. Seeking Jesus seems that it could mean different things. Seems like it could be displayed in different ways. Seeking Jesus looks different depending on who is seeking Jesus. Paul was seeking to please God while persecuting Christians. Was he seeking to please the devil? Was he seeking to please the enemy? He was seeking to please who? God. He was seeking to please God while persecuting Christians. Peter was seeking to please God while running away from Paul, probably. Are you, are you with me? You have two people seeking God in completely different ways that made them pretty much enemies for a moment. Some people will use the piano to seek Jesus, to seek God, while get offended because others use a different instrument to seek the same God. This is a real thing. I'm Latinos. You can see, right? Hard to see, right? And even if you can't see, you might be able to hear it in some of the words. Well, I grew up in a Latino church. Now, Latino churches could be at times very hard, harsh. There was one occasion where my uncle, who was a pastor at the moment, came and ministered at a church where I was at. Now, because of where he's from, music uh, or the style of music that he played, that he, that he was familiar with, was different. It is the Norteño music. Are you familiar with that? The accordion? Bajo sexto? Just like that. Well, he brought that to church. And while he was worshiping God with that music, I heard some comments, not just anybody, but leadership, saying that that music belongs to a nightclub, not to a church. You see, you see how vague seeking Jesus can be? While you have someone here giving their heart out to the Lord, someone else who is also seeking Jesus is condemning what they're doing. You see, while you have some pastors that are dressed all the way here with the tide and very good looking, you have other pastors that are preaching on a t-shirt and nothing else and probably sandals. Both of them seeking the exact same thing. And one criticizing one because he's so, is it uptight? No. And the other one criticizing the other one because it's so liberal. What is this? Is this a club? This is church. You're supposed to dress accordingly to church. You see, you have different people seeking the same God, but it looks different. 
You have people that will not, will not go to a movie theater because that does not belong to someone seeking God. While you have others that will even enjoy a margarita while watching a movie, seeking the same God, claiming the same rights, the same salvation. What's going on? It seems to me that it is really broad. Seeking Jesus seems to be a very broad phrase. Are you with me? Some people will sacrifice different things in the name of seeking to find God. Some will sacrifice jobs or job opportunities because they're seeking God. While others will go deeper into a career because they're seeking God. It's a little confusing, isn't it? Makes it a little challenging to actually find Jesus. If I see this and I see that, and they're both seeking the same thing. How is this going to happen? So the first thing is that it's a very vague phrase. The second thing I want to tell you is that seeking Jesus, God, Holy Spirit, whatever you want to call it, seeking God is not equivalent to finding God. Seeking Jesus is not equivalent to finding Jesus. Does that make sense? Just because you say you're seeking Jesus doesn't mean that you will find him. You got too quiet. Maybe I chose the wrong message for today. I know it sounds shocking to some of you, but let me tell you what I mean. We know that seeking God is the most traveled quest, path in history. But have you noticed how there is... Apparently, so many people seeking God, but only a few get to actually find Him, experience Him. The most traveled quest in history, the quest with the most books written about it, yet there are many seeking Jesus without finding Him. Many seeking Jesus without finding Him. And I wish I was talking about out there in the world. I'm talking about the church. People that come to church seeking Jesus, actively seeking Jesus without finding him. People at church. People serving at church. Volunteers at church. You know how I know that there are many people involved in church seeking Jesus that have not found him? You know how I know that? Because there is no change in their lives. I have a tendency of not knowing how to choose a message correctly, and I apologize for that. I apologize. There is no change. I believe it is the Bible that says it is by their fruits that we will know them. So if you have found Jesus, the only way that I can know that you actually found him, understanding how vague it is, that phrase. The only way that I can truly know that you have found Jesus, the only way that you can truly know that I have found Jesus is by my fruits, by the change in my life. You know, I've been married for 12 years. 
For some of you, that means or that seems very little and insignificant. Some of you have been married for 40 years. Anybody 40 years in here? For others, it may seem significant, 12 years. But the reason why I bring it up is because in 12 years, by the way, I got married. I was already a Christian. I was actually the worship leader at the Latino church where I was going when I got married. So I was a Christian. I had a good testimony. However, I can tell you that my life has changed. I am not the same today as who I was 12 years ago. And I mean, not only as a husband, in general, as a Christian. So the first evidence that you have found Jesus is that there is change in your life, that you are changing, that you are not the same, that transformation is taking place in your life. Are you with me? You see, the reason why seeking is not equivalent to finding it's because there is not one fixed formula to finding Jesus. It's not one fixed formula that will work every single time. Have you noticed how God will not allow something like that? Meaning, you see that day I had this song. It was a Monday. I prayed this way. I used these words. I used this and it worked. I'm going to do the same thing next time. I'm going to put the same song. I'm going to pray in the same order. I'm going to do it in the same place at the same time. And it will work again. Does it? Why do you think God will not allow things to be that way? Because sure enough, soon you will forget about God. And will only concentrate on those details around you. He will not have that. He will make sure that it is him who you're seeking. It is him who you're going after and not the details, the little things that you may have here and there. So, seeking God is a very vague phrase, too broad. And it is not equivalent to finding Jesus. Now. Let's read verse 26. So let's read 24 so we can get the context. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. They find him. Verse 26. After they asked, how come you're here? Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Okay. So, last week, we took this message and we learned that there is two reasons why we seek God. In that oftentimes, when we find him, we realize that we were seeking him for the wrong things. In here, he makes reference to two reasons why you would seek him. Number one, he said something about the signs. He said, you're not seeking me because of the signs that you saw. You're seeking me because I feed you, because I supplied every need that you have. 
Okay? So the two reasons that we have to seek Jesus, one is spiritual, and it is about his agenda. And the second reason why we would seek Jesus, it is natural, and it is about our agenda. Those are the only two reasons why we seek him. And he said, listen, this is why you're seeking me, and I'm not going to have that. If you're seeking me, you will get an encounter with who I am and what I am about. What is it that I came here for? My agenda. So we learn that sometimes we seek Jesus for the wrong reasons, and we have to be careful. But the danger of seeking God for the wrong reason is not being confronted by Jesus about it. You see, seeking Jesus for the wrong thing can lead, this is the real danger, to seeking him in the wrong way. Seeking Jesus for the wrong things can lead you to seeking Jesus in the wrong way. Now, this is serious. I know that sometimes my messages are serious. After all, my wife says that I am the serious guy. Always serious. Listen, seeking Jesus for the wrong reasons will lead you to seek Jesus in the wrong way. Seek Jesus in the wrong way. Paul was in Athens, and he noticed that these people were very religious. It was said that during that time, there is a saying that says that there were more gods than people in that area. They had more gods than people in that area. They had a god for everything. So Paul is looking at this, and as a good um, teacher, as a good evangelist, he saw the opportunity to speak to them about God. He saw an altar with something that said the unknown God or to the unknown God. And he took that opportunity to speak to them about the living God. But he said, hey, listen, I want to talk to this God that you don't know. And because of that, you worship ignorantly. Those are the words that he uses. So, you seeking the wrong thing about God will cause you to get an idea of God that is not true, that is not accurate, that is not genuine. And because of that, it will force you to seek him in the wrong way. So you will find yourself seeking God in the wrong way. Seeking the living God, seeking the God of Israel, but you will be seeking him in the wrong way. Pastor, I don't get it. Isn't it that seeking Jesus is just simply seeking Jesus? Seeking Jesus means seeking Jesus. Well, it depends on which Jesus you're seeking. If you're seeking the Jesus that exists, exists for you, you will seek him that way. If you're seeking a Jesus that you exist for him, you will seek him in a different way. You see, if he exists for you, that means that you're the center of the story. And everything is about you. He works for you. And we love those songs. That he goes before us, working for us. As if we just had a little genie in a battle. Battle? No. Bottle. Too close. Too close. That you can just simply say, I'm going in this direction. I want you to clear the path for me. Listen to me. You may think that I'm exaggerating, but there are Christians that live life that way. I'm going in this direction. 
God, your responsibility is to clear the path for me to go. There are giants in this place that you need to remove so that I can get to where I'm going. Do you think that's what Christianity is about? You see, it doesn't work that way. He doesn't work for you. We were created for him. We work for him. No amens to that. If he exists for you, then you will be the center of your story. He's there to please you, to make you feel happy, to make you feel good. When those things are not there, you seek him in a different church. Because obviously he's not at that church. You see, when you're not comfortable where you are, you seek him somewhere else. Because you're supposed to be comfortable. I, uh, I normally don't do this kind of things. But I will this time for two purposes. First, I want to share with you an idea. And the second one, I also want to be accountable. I've been working on an idea in my head. On a book that I soon should start. And it is called Jesus, the Modern Idol. Jesus, the modern idol. Because I believe that's what we make. We make of Jesus an idol. And you will see throughout this message what I mean by that. Depending on what you're seeking to find out of Jesus, you will seek him in that way. You will seek him in the right way or in the wrong way. You know, as a church, we talk about some of the pillars that are to be in this culture, in our church. And it is waiting on the moving of God. Waiting on the moving of God. We are to welcome everybody. Amen? We are to practice mercy and grace. And we are to wait on the move of God. Seeking God. That's what that means. We are to seek His presence during worship, during the word. We are to go after Him. Now, as a church, since we're seeking Him, let me tell you a few things about seeking God. Number one, it is God's desire that we should seek Him. It is God's desire that we should seek Him. Exodus 25, verse 8. God speaking to Moses. He says, and let them make me a sanctuary. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Now, let me give you a little bit of the context on when this is taking place. They have left Egypt. This is a people that have no identity as of now. They have no land. They have no place. They are not known. They were slaves. They're in the wilderness. They don't have a clear future ahead of them. They have a hope, and they're pursuing that hope. But they're at the moment, they're a nobody. Okay? Now, do you find interesting that it was not their idea to have a place where they would seek God, but it was God's idea first? Since day one, since the fall of men, it was God's idea to have a place where they would meet, where he would dwell with them. It is God's desire that we should seek him. Amen? It is God's desire that we should seek him. Oftentimes we think it is our idea. It is God's desire. It is his idea 
that we should seek him. Now, he says, that I may dwell among them. God is a dwelling God. He's not interesting in a simple worship experience with you. That's not what he's about. I know that in church, we, we want to enhance, enhance. We want to make our worship experience better. And, and things evolve our, uh, in our worship service, around our worship service as a church. But do you know that God is not interested merely on your worship experience? I hope God has been speaking to your life through this message. The desire of Bethesda Church and Pastor Richard is to change lives through love. And we are very grateful for the opportunity that this medium allows us to reach multitudes. If you would like to continue listening to more messages from our pastor or to know more about this ministry, look for us online at mybethesda.org or on facebook.com slash mybethesda. Thank you. He's interested in dwelling with you. We, we put Sunday service up here in relevance and importance. And we put Monday right here. It's not important. Monday is not important. Tuesday, a little important because we have prayer in the night. Wednesday, not as important as Sunday, but it's important. We have Bible, Bible study. Thursday, we have no church, so Thursday, Thursday is not important. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, important again. Listen, God did not design uh, our lives so that we can center just on the one day. He wants to dwell among us. He wants to be in the midst of us. But somehow, we emphasize more on the worship experience since ever. It's always been like that. I want to read something to you about that. Exodus 32, verse 1 through 5. Listen to this. God is not interested on a mere, mere worship experience. He wants to dwell with us. His desire for us to seek him is that so that he can dwell with us, among us. Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain. Okay. God is telling Moses, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Okay. I don't know if this is happening at the same time, a little bit later, but this is happening in that context. Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, they gathered together to Aaron, Aaron and said to him, come, Verse 2, make us, make us gods that shall go before us. Now, we normally, when we hear this, we think idolatry, okay? As we know it, meaning there is an idol there, and I worship that idol. I told you a moment ago, Jesus is the modern idol, okay? Let me, let me tell you where I'm going with this. They said, make us gods, that shall go before us. For for this Moses, the men that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Okay, next verse. And Aaron said to them, break off, get everything ready. Get all the gold that you can get. Get it ready. Let's go to the next verse. We can go a little faster. So all the people got all the gold things ready for them, and they brought it to Aaron. Next verse. 
And he received the gold from their hands, and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molding, molded calf. Listen to this. Then they said, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Okay, listen to this. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. Okay, so Aaron, he, he didn't only just took part of what they asked him. He actually went a little farther, made an altar for him, okay? Aaron, someone that knows what's going on, seeking God, okay? And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. All capital letters. So every time I have encountered this passage before, I thought, how can they forget about God and turn to idols? Well, they didn't. They didn't forget about God. They were still worshiping God. Listen, that's not God's with little g. That's Lord, capital letter. That's what happens when you seek God the wrong way. That's what happens when you're seeking the wrong thing with God. You're seeking an experience with God. You're seeking to get high from God. And so when you're seeking those moments that are special to, the, to you, that you get high with God, that you feel that you left this place, that you feel that your pain is gone, that you feel that your circumstances are no longer killing you, when that's the only thing you're seeking, you know what happens? You're in danger of getting into a place that you will form an idol that you will worship because the presence of God is not coming down to you. So you will seek it at whatever cost. You will build an idol and you will call it Lord. You will call it God. And in your mind, you're actually worshiping God. You actually think that you're worshiping God, but you've created an idol. You're seeking an experience. God it's his desire to dwell among us. So seeking him is not about an experience that we may have in here, getting high. It is about dwelling with him. It is about staying with him. It is about sticking with what he said to do even when you don't feel that he's next to you. Are you with me? I'm telling you. Oftentimes we seek an experience. And I want to cost, cost, caution you. Caution you? To be, to be cautious. <laughs> it got stuck in there. In seeking experiences. Don't go out there listening to people speaking in tongues and you simply repeating that to learn. Seeking the experience part of it. Right. Seek a relationship with God. Yes. And let him build that as he pleases. Yes. You can desire the gifts. You can desire those things. But be careful seeking as a priority over God or before God. So, number one, it is God's desire that, the, that we should seek him. Number two, you can only find God in his own terms. You can only find him in his own terms. I feel like sometimes we have turned the tables around. Is that how you say it? Yeah. The tables have turned. 
Or do you say how the turntables? I feel like sometimes we have switched. That we are no longer the ones that are seeking God on his terms, but now he's seeking us in our terms. You see, one of the biggest challenges that we face today, our church faces today, one of the biggest challenges that we face today is commodity. We're too comfortable here in America. So convenience is a huge dilemma for us. It's a big problem that we have. Is it convenient for me to do what God asked me to do? Is it convenient for me to go to church on Sunday? Is it convenient for me? You know, for a little while, I, I fell um, under this dilemma that we have. Meaning, we have a, I would say, distinctive church. This is a distinct church. We're different than most churches. We're one church with two languages, two cultural backgrounds. Not two cultures, two cultural backgrounds for the people, one culture. We have English-speaking people, Spanish-speaking people, back-to-back. So practice is a little challenging because we have pretty much to practice for two different services. Sometimes the songs don't translate, so we'll practice different songs. So at one point or another, we had people that would come and practice for one service and not for the other. So that was an inconvenient because some of them will have to come early and then if they drive 30 minutes to get to church, it would not make sense to go back and then come back to the Spanish service. So I thought, you know what? I don't want to inconvenience them. Are you kidding me? Is this real? Is it an inconvenience for you to come and practice and then stay in his house and serve? Is it an inconvenience? Sometimes I feel like pastors go the extra mile to not, not inconvenience people so that they can serve God. Is this for real? Since when serving God is about how convenient it is for you to do it? How the table have turned. That it is not on God's term that we serve Him. It is if my job allows me to serve Him, I will serve Him. It's not if God said it needs to be now, it needs to be this way. No, it is if I can't do it right now, Lord, I can't go to church today because I have a headache. Pastor, I thought you were going to preach. I feel like you're just getting on to us. Unconveniencing people to serve God. We want to serve it. Serve him when it is convenient for us. No sacrifice made. I want to tell you a few of his terms. The first one is found in Hebrews 11 and 6. Do you have it? But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. This is the first term that God has. It is faith. It is faith. You have to believe that he is. He is a rewarder of those who diligently 
seek him. For without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. Believe that he is. Now, again, we have to have faith to seek him. You know, it has to be in his terms. But here's the problem that we have, the challenge that we have. You have two people reading this Bible, and one of them will say, no, it means this. No, it means that. No, it means these. So, how is it that you can believe who he is if you think this can be shaped to your understanding and mind, to, to who you are? I do believe that this Bible, as it is, without having commentaries, without having a dictionary, without having all of this extra help, should give you a clear view of who God is, where there is no doubt. But the moment that you start twisting this to adapt to your beliefs, to your customs, that's where the problem is. See, God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But you and I do change. So if he doesn't change, and you and I do change, who do you think has to do the changing? Well, my culture says that it's supposed to be this way. Well, my culture says that it's supposed to be this way. My culture says that it is through piano, the only instrument that God will listen worship through. So I will only worship with the piano. Well, my culture says that it is only the accordion that God listens to. I'm telling you, there is a war that says, no, this is Jesus. No, this is Jesus. And all of it comes, the majority of it, from the culture around us. Those that love the piano say that that's music for drunk people, the accordion. And those that play the accordion and sing uh, songs to God with that instrument say that this is an instrument of the devil, the piano because it's different than what they know. Listen, allow the Bible to speak who he is. Not our beliefs, not our culture, not where we're from, none of those things. Not a song. Today, in today's era, it's so easy to make doctrine out of one phrase from a pastor, from a preaching. It's so easy to make doctrine out of one song. And we make that song to be the true image of God. And we marry that idea of God and we seek Him that way. How many songs do we sing that portray an image of Jesus that is not accurate? But we love it because of what it represents. Help me remember the words. There is no mountain that you will climb there is no wall that you will tear down going after me seeking after me what's that image of Jesus it's an image that when you're bound in a room over there by sin there is this image that seems like he just pulls this out and you see a super s or a super super j in here and goes and busts the door open and sees you there and breaks the chain and against your will, he drags you out of there. That's the image that we get of Jesus. 
that he will do things against your will. You will serve him against your will, meaning he will, he will change the way that you think. He will do all of that without you even trying anything. I think the way it works, it says, hey, I know you're there, but those chains, chains can't hold you there. You see, I, I have already died in the cross. So if you're there, it's because you're choosing to stay there. See, that, that's not something that we like about Jesus. Jesus, I want you to walk in here and carry me in, in your arms and bring me out of that lifestyle. But he said, no, I have already died in the cross so that you can simply get up and walk away from that lifestyle. So I'm not saying that what we sing is wrong. What I'm saying is do not make a whole image out of Jesus out of just one song. One little phrase that speaks of one aspect of God. Yes, he is going to go after you so far as to dying for you. Guess what? He already did it. Second term that he has. You can only find God in his own terms is repentance. Romans chapter 2 verse 4. You want to find him? You're seeking him and there's no repentance in your life? I don't know who you think you're fooling I didn't know that. <laughs> or do you despise the riches of his goodness? Listen to this. Do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God, the goodness of God leads you to repentance, leads you to repentance? You see, that's why I told you that the evidence that you have found Jesus is that you have changed, that there is transformation in your life. You cannot say that you have found Jesus, that he's dwelling in your life, and you continue to live the same way. It doesn't work that way. What has happened is that you created a golden calf, and you worship God through it. Repentance. Number three, the third term that we find is in, Hebrews 11 and 6 again. Hebrews 11 and 6. And I'm closing with these two last thoughts. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. And he is a rewarder of those who what? Diligently seek him. You have to diligently seek him. You want to find Jesus? You want to find Jesus, it requires faith. You want to find him, it requires repentance. You want to find him, it requires diligence. Yeah. Diligence. Meaning, this is not a one-month thing. On, you notice that we're finishing a fast. Maybe that's why you guys are so sad today. Because <laughs> we're, we're finishing the sad, the, excuse me, the the fast today. Don't change fast for sad. We're changing, we're finishing the fast today. Either you're sad because it's over or you're sad because you're really hungry. You have no energy to smile and, and shout amen. We're finishing the fast today. Listen. But the idea of the fast is not just so you can do this once a year. What is it that you stop doing during the fast? Maybe you didn't watch as much TV. Maybe you were not on social media as much. Maybe you just removed it completely. Maybe you didn't drink sodas. Maybe you didn't uh, eat food that was bad for you. All of these things that we did during the Daniel fast. 
It's not just so that we can do them isol- like in an isolated way once a year. It's so that you can find some of those things and continue and keep throughout the year. Eating habits, reading habits, seeking God. So what I'm telling you is that the, the diligent part is not just showing up to church one Sunday, showing up to church one Wednesday or one Tuesday. It's to stay diligent in seeking Him day after day, Sunday after Sunday, month after month, year after year, decade after decade. As long as God keeps us in this place, we should seek Him diligently diligently listen i have been a christian most of my life i can say that now most of my life i can be a christian Uh, excuse me i have been a christian and i have noticed that he's still changing things inside of me he's still changing things inside of me there's still growth happening taking place in my life we have to seek him diligently and the last one and you may stand as so you can rest sure that I'm closing with this. <laughs> Jeremiah 29, 13. Jeremiah 29, 13. Do you have it? Jeremiah 29 comes to mind. Right away there's a verse that jumps. It's not 13. It's 11. Everybody loves that. For I know the thoughts, the plans I have for you. We love those kind of verses. You see, it's kind of like there is no responsibility on us. It's his plans, his thoughts for us. We love them. They're good. But this one is more impactful. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I believe these terms are key in finding him. There are a lot of people seeking him for the wrong reasons, in the wrong way. But when you're seeking the God that you find in this Bible, genuinely, not the God that is there to please you, but the God that is there to transform you, to change your life, when you seek him, when you believe who he is. You know, these people that we read in John 6 said, you're not seeking me because of the signs that you saw. You're seeking me because I fed you. Later on, goes and continues, and he says, I am the bread of life. He speaks to them of who he is, what he is about, and yet you read that they didn't know him. You see, it requires faith, repentance, diligence, and your whole heart to find Him. In this season, I hope you find Him. I hope you have enjoyed this message. And if one day you are in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and would like to visit, our address is 71001 Airport Freeway, Richland Hills, Texas, 76118. We would love to meet you. If you have any requests and would like for us to pray for you, you can call us at 817-427-0010 and leave a voice message. Contact us and let us know your comments. Once again, you can give us a call at 817-427-0010 or write us an email to info at mybethesda.org.